Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Okay, so Jen, I was going to do mine on Michigan companies, right? And Art Van is a Michigan company. And I was like, oh, you know what, I'll just do it next time. Then you and I are looking at the news today and the Art Van... Art Van's liquidating a lot of their stock. And they just had built that huge-ass flagship store in Canton, right across from the Ikea. And now I'm like, oh, shit, maybe it might be a little too late to do Art Van. I'll be (laughs) like, Art Van, the store that used to be. (laughs) I wonder if they're going to stay online, though. I hope so. They were talking about liquidating the current stuff out of the stores. So does that mean you're dying? What does that mean? Are we on... Life support? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah. What are you doing today? Um, so today I'm going to do Michigan Companies, but you will hear no but art van. Not art van. No. Okay. What do you have? I have conspiracy to kidnap and rape child from a county fair in Eaton, Jackson, and Hillsdale, Michigan counties in 2018. Oh, shit. When you said Jackson, I was hoping for Florida. <laughs> <laughs> How about you go first? All right. No, how about I've got my shit's a lot lighter. We'll go heavy than light. Okay. Because your shit is scary. Yeah. Okay. Because, okay. So basically, like 1% of child abductions is stranger abductions. Usually, if a kid is kidnapped, it is from a family member. Like a family member kidnaps a kid. It could be like parents are arguing and stuff. So whenever people are like, oh, I'm worried my kid's going to get, I'm like, don't worry. It's very rare. It hardly ever happens. And you're just scared the shit out of me. I didn't, um, <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. I almost got kidnapped. I think we talked about that story. Oh, yeah. All right. In 2018, the Michigan State Police received a lead on a group of people who planned on abducting a child from a county fair. They were unsure which county it would be in, but the plan was said to revolve around the Eaton, Jackson, and Hillsdale counties. Holy fuck. Yep. The police were able to figure out who was involved and arrested four people before an abduction could occur. See, I found one that had a good ending. Holy crap, that is a good ending. Thank you. But I didn't want to tell you. You know what? I should have just let you go, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) The the people arrested were Talia Furman, age 32. Wait, that's a woman? Talia. Whenever there's a fucking woman involved, I want to slap her extra super hard. You know, like, I want to have at everybody, but the woman, I just want to be like, you should know, you piece of trash. Right? Eight, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's age 32 of Springfield, Michigan. Yeah, you're old enough. Yep. Matthew Tool, age 32 of Battle Creek, Michigan. Can I make a joke about him being a tool? A tool. Yeah, he, he was actually the worst one. Oh, see? He is a tool. Yep. David <laughs> Bailey, age 37 of Coldwater, Michigan. Uh-huh. And Jimmy, J-A-Y-M-E. Oh, Jamie. Point. Jamie? Yeah. Age 19 of Athens, Michigan. Wait, usually when they spell, not this is not always true, but usually when they spell Jamie, J-A-Y-M-E, isn't that usually a girl? I think there was two girls and two boys. Okay, well, I hope they get it handed to them in prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The case was solid against these four individuals as the police had messages between all parties, which clearly explained the plan. They had come up with, um, that and then evidence from their homes. So, oh shit! So not only did like they one guy's like, "Don't worry, I got the dungeon ready for the kid." Yeah. Oh, and shit. then here 
Yeah. And everybody's like, all right, I got the cuffs. (laughs) They actually planned all this one night over pizza. You know, pizza does a lot of things to me, but make me want to kidnap someone. Right. No. Not on my list. In March 2019, Matthew was sentenced to a minimum of 50 years for two counts of first-degree criminal sexual conduct. Then in August 2019, Talia and David were sentenced to a minimum of 25 years on the charge of conspiracy to commit sexual conduct. In addition, David received a minimum of five years for conspiracy to kidnap while Talia received a minimum of 11 years for conspiracy to kidnap. Oh, shit. I wonder what she did extra. Yeah, she must have Because she got like a double plus a little from what he got. Yeah. In September 2019, Jamie was sentenced similar to Talia and David. Matthew received the heaviest sentence as it was stated that descriptions in the messages, such as how certain things would arise you know Mm -hmm. how they would do things yeah were very disturbing and the judge talked during the sentencing how it was the most heinous thing he had ever seen okay now that you've said that there is a um documentary on netflix and what your brother's like do not watch this you cannot watch this do not watch this so it's something the something something of gabriel fernandez and apparently these people and he's like do not watch it and he kind of like gave me a rundown um, these people, I know that it was like his step parents and there were like social workers involved, but they tortured a kid to death, a little boy. And your brother's like, absolutely. This will disturb you in 1000 different ways. You may not watch it. And I said, I will not. <laughs> I'm going to disturb you in one of the podcasts coming up. Okay. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's a short story. Okay. But it will blow your mind what this parent did to their child. Oh my God. Yeah. It okay. will. Okay. But now I have to watch that documentary. <laughs> All right. Well, the Don't Fuck With Cats documentary, you you said to me, it. you should watch that. And I was like, okay. There were t- there were two times I was like, ah! And I like sped it forward a couple seconds. But that's yeah. the one where, that's the one where the guy filmed himself killing these cats. Mm-hmm. He put them in a vacuum seal bag and pulled all the air out. And of course they suffocate. Mm-hmm. And then, the, then there's people who see this online and they start to get together to find him. And there's a couple more videos in which he kills cats. And that's why I was like, no! When I watched that. And I cannot tell anybody the twist ending, but I damn near fell out of my chair. And you were like, there's a twist at the end. I know. I almost fell out of my you, GD chair. You think it's something, that documentary is about something One else. One thing. And, and it, in the it's end. It's just, yeah, it's a whole, whole hot mess. And I just want to say between the U.S. and the Canadian police, I wanted to shake the shit out of a few people. Yeah. Because people are like, Hello. This is the guy. This is the guy. They're like, just, I don't know what you guys are saying. Like, oh, my God. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you got? Okay. So, Michigan companies. I started with Bad Frog Beer. Why wouldn't you start with Jiffy? Is Jiffy an American, a Michigan company? Jiffy? Chelsea, Michigan? Is it? The best cornbread ever made in the world? I do love their cornbread. Okay. Put that on with Art Van. I will. I'll get my shit together. Art Van Jiffy. Yeah. <laughs> Jiffy. Yeah. So, Bad Frog Beer is actually based out of Rose City, Michigan. And it was founded by Jim Wallace. And his original intention was not to create a new beer. Like, that wasn't how this whole thing started. Jim worked for a t-shirt company as a designer. And he was looking for, like, a new project. And when he brought up the idea of a frog, his boss told him that, like, frogs are too wimpy. So, Jim decided to call him Bad Frog. And he gave the frog a beer. So, the frog's holding a beer. And the... um. 
he's holding his hand up like he's giving the finger. Now, frogs only have four fingers. But if a frog could give you the middle finger, this frog is. Like, <laughs> it's like separated from the rest. So people really love the shirt. And they kept asking for bad frog beer. Because they didn't realize, you know, it's supposed to just be the frog. And he's shown his badassery by holding a beer. So Jim actually began looking into beer brewing. And by October of 1995, his company opened Bad Frog Beer. So it now has beer in over one dozen states and actually a few foreign countries. And it's been banned in eight different states, though, because it has the label and people find it offensive. They're like, it's yeah. giving you the finger, but he's not giving you the middle finger. He doesn't have a middle. He has four fingers. I'm defending the frog. You are. <laughs> so it's considered to break the boundary of good taste. Okay. And Bad Frog, there was a Bad Frog brewery on Frog Island in Ypsilanti. But it closed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought that was cool. That's cool. So the other one um, I have... So I love Uncle John bathroom readers. I've, I have maybe 15 of them. I've had um since I noticed the 90s. that when I used your bathroom. I fucking loved Uncle John's bathroom reader. Well, I was reading about... I was reading an Uncle John bathroom reader, and they told the story of Bissell, carpet sweeper, and the story slightly differed from Wikipedia's story, and I don't know who to trust, so I'm going to tell you both. So... Melville Bissell was born in New York, grew up in Wisconsin, and was a young man by the time he moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1862, he was a young adult who opened a grocery store with his dad. And they sold the store, and they ended up opening up a glassware and crockery store in Grand Rapids, Michigan. In 1869 is when this happens. Okay. So, unfortunately, he was a little... Okay, so this is... This is... This is the point they both agree on, and then after... Okay, Uncle John's told me. This is what Uncle John told me. That he was allergic to the straw that the crockery came packed in. And it made him sneeze. So it bothered him so much, he worked on inventing a carpet sweeper so he didn't have to inhale the straw dust kicked up by the broom. Wikipedia said his wife didn't like the dust, so he invented the sweeper. I was like, this story is better. (laughs) Right? Right? In 1976, he patented a sweeper with a central brush, rubber wheels, a container, you know, to hold all the debris mm-hmm. and other precursors to the vacuum. So this is like, this had a baby and then it made a vacuum. So Melville Bissell died of pneumonia in Grand Rapids in 1889. And his wife, Anna Bissell, took control of the company after his death, making her the first American female corporate chief executive officer or CEO for short. So she's the first female CEO in America Right here in Michigan. Wow, that's cool. By 1899, she had grown the company to make it worldwide. She began incorporating progressive ideas in her company, like providing workers' pensions and workmen's compensation before they became even common practices. She's like, you deserve workmen's compensation. You deserve, you know, to retire one day, which is not happening anymore. (laughs) So she was also a philanthropist, and she worked with youth and migrant women. And during this time, she also raised her own five kids. And Anna died in Grand Rapids in 1934, where she was buried. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Go with it, man. Hmm. Or Uncle John's. Oh, yeah. I got that from Wikipedia and Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. And I also got the bad dog beer from Wikipedia. I'm like, I'm riding Wikipedia today. Right. So, the next one is Kellogg cereal. So, at one point, I'm going to talk about John Kellogg and his brother, Will, fighting. Or he's sometimes called WK. Um. They fight for years. It gets nasty. It's totally involved. And I'm just going to brush over all that. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
So the Kellogg brothers, John Henry and W.K., created the cereal industry. So there was no really, in the late 1800s, there was no really, there was no cereal. They created a whole thing that Americans use every day now, right? I didn't realize that. Yeah. John was a doctor, and he was looking to help bolster his patient's emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being. With cereal. Yep. He never consummated his marriage. All their children were adopted, and he believed that masturbation was unhealthy. So you can't jerk off and you can't have sex. He doesn't think it's healthy. He never had sex with his wife. Hmm. Just, whoa. Wow. So John believed that a bland diet could curb your sexual appetites. And he thought, because he thought that, you know, these sexual appetites are damaging you, right? So he created a concoction. I'm like, he must have been, it must have been bad as like a 15-year-old when that's when a lot of guys do everything but jerk their dick off. Like, poor heavy just was like so tense. <laughs> <laughs> he created a concoction that he referred to as granola. And then he had an accident in his kitchen because they left something on. And they're like, oh, shit. So they tried to run it through a second time and he made cornflakes. Wow. Yeah. So WK, also known as Will, handled the business end. That's his brother, John's brother. And when he suggested that John add a little sugar to the flakes recipe... John refused. He's like, no, this is health shit. Sugar's not healthy. And WK's like, dude, we'll sell so much more if we can make it a little tasty. You know what I mean? And he's like, no. So Will begins to sell the updated flakes through his own company. And a family oh, feud is snap. born. Oh, yeah. He, John was like, you took my shit. And they go back and forth legal shit for years. And in the end of all those lawsuits, Will was awarded rights to the family name. Kellogg. Wow. Yeah. So despite and the obviously few, kept the sugar in there. Yeah. Those are, mm-hmm. I mean, look at Frosted Flakes. I love sugar. I love sweets. I love candy. And Frosted Flakes is too much for me. Really? Yeah. And one time I saw someone put sugar on their Frosted Flakes. I'm like, you got the diabetes. I had cereal like two years ago. Yeah. I used to love tricks. Oh, yeah. Well, you eat it now. It's too I healthy do. now. I do eat it now. I it's eat disgusting. all cereals. It's this morning now. I had cookie crisp, where's all, okay? Where all, where's all the sugar? <laughs> oh, maybe I just got so used to it. Maybe. I don't know. All right. So, so despite the food, yeah, the business grows. It became breakfast in a box is what they called it. Something, they, something so easy to make that, quote, even dad can make breakfast now, end quote. Mm-hmm. I was like, men aren't retarded. They could always make breakfast. They just didn't. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right? Will was a business genius, and he kept himself literally in every part of the company. And Will kept the accounts, and he was able to create new business models, and breakfast cereal became a staple in American homes. And the company still has their headquarters in Battle Creek, Michigan. They also have a European headquarter in Dublin, Ireland, and they're marketing their cereal in over 180 countries. Hmm. Battle Creek is known as the cereal capital of the world. I got that from NPR. And uh, mental floss. What yeah. happened between the two of them? Will was awarded. He never talked to his brother. Again. No, no, that was it. They were done. John's like, fuck you. And I'm not jerking off. What did he do? <laughs> oh, they don't talk. They didn't talk. They're dead now. But they just, that was it. But he didn't do a different company. No. Or, oh. He was all about the health and wellness. And Will was all about the business. And then when Will saw John had a great product, he's like, hey, we can make this better. And John's like, no, I'm trying to make people healthy. See me not having sex? <laughs> uh. So here's my last one. And this is my favorite thing. I never knew this. And it makes my heart 1,000 times happy. I want to talk about 
A&W restaurants. Now, when I was growing up in Wald Lake off of Wald Lake Drive, it's a, a drive that went around the lake, surprise, um, there was an A&W where you'd pull your car up and the car hops would come out. Yeah, they still have one in Dexter. Okay, that's not there anymore in Wild Lake, and it bummed the fuck out of me. I Yeah. But let me tell you about this. But I used to love their going as a kid. Like, in my house, we were only allowed to eat at the kitchen table. That's it. You only ate at the kitchen table. Nowhere else. And I was like, we're eating in the car now? Hmm. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first A&W restaurant opened in Lodi, Lodi, L-O-D-I. Yeah, Lodi. Lodi, California in 1919. The A&W stand for the last initials of the owners, Roy Allen and Frank Wright. Right with the W, obviously. <laughs> so the company expanded to franchises in the 1950s and 60s. So first they just had their own little restaurant, then they're like, franchises. Dale Mulder opened up an A&W in Lansing, Michigan in 1961. Dale had a customer who came in frequently and consistently asked for bacon to be added to his cheeseburger. In 1963, Dale added the bacon cheeseburger to his restaurant's menu. So due to this, A&W is credited with creating the cheese bacon cheeseburger. Wow. Yeah, dude. And I was like, whatever, Dale, your company, uh, buddy, knew what was up. Because I love bacon cheeseburgers. Right? I love me some bacon. That was good. All right. See ya. Contact us at anchor or michiganandothermayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.